scripture and memory verse tonight, Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19. Anybody else? What did I do? Say it wrong? So that times of but King James is even different than that. When the times of refreshing is King James, isn't it? Uh-huh. Acts 319. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's not what Acts, I said? Acts 319. Oh, I just put that, times of refreshing. I left out so. King of Egypt, so. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? Acts 3.19. Want to read it? Try it? Memorize it? Acts 3.19. Therefore repent and turn back that your sins may be wiped out so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19. Yes, sir. That sounds like NIV version, too. You're That's a uh, Christian Lord standard Bible. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Anybody else? Acts 3.19. Charlie? Acts 3.19 Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19 When the times of refreshing King James Version Anybody else? Acts 3.19 So what's our context? Let's think about context here. Context. um, Peter and John going to the temple at the hour of prayer. There's a man begging alms at the gate called Beautiful. I'm not going to read all of this. I'm going to kind of paraphrase the first little bit. He was lame from his mother's womb. And he's there begging alms, so we don't know exactly how, but we do know that he was holding up something like begging for alms, maybe a can, maybe a hat, maybe, I don't know. And something that's interesting is that this man has been there for a long time, and Jesus never healed him. It's something when you study this, Jesus never healed him. Jesus would have walked by this man and did not heal him, and he left it for Peter and John to do And so here they are, they're going by, and and Peter says to him, Peter says to him, um, or fixed his eyes upon him, this is verse 4, 5, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, in the, name of the, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. So he spoke to him with authority in the name of Jesus. 
And, he, and this man, look what it says here, verse 7. And he took him by his right hand. He didn't just say it and then ignore it. He acted upon it. And he reached out and the man took his hand by faith and stood up. But look what it says. Lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Now, I'm just telling you that obviously a miracle in the name of Jesus but if, if, if today, if somebody was to just start walking, there would be therapy. But immediately God put strength. God put strength in his ankle bones and, and allowed him to instantly start walking. So what's he do? He starts leaping up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now I want you to understand that walking is always how you're living. And we see a physical man being healed but in a spiritual sense, if you come to Jesus, you should be walking and leaping and praising God. This is something you should be doing. People come to Jesus all the time nowadays. They go to the altar. They say a prayer. They say, I believe in God. But they're not. their walk isn't different. Their life isn't different. They're not praising God. They just believe that they're okay and they got into heaven and now I'm fine. But when the Holy Spirit enters into a life and comes to live in your heart, you are going to be different. You're going to walk different. You're going to be leaping. You're going to be praising God because you're going to understand that you've been delivered from the pit of hell. And when somebody's delivered from the pit of hell, your life changes. So this is really the context that's going on. What happened then? People are looking. People saw him walking and praising God. So he's doing it right there where everybody's at. And people recognize that a life was changed. People recognized that it was the guy that was sitting out there always begging alms. But now he's different. He's not begging. He's praising. He stopped begging and he began to praise God. And, and you know, when you really start to follow this, and I'm not going to do all of it, you'll see that he ain't letting Peter and John go. They're the ones that spoke into his life. So later on, it says the man being right there, that he's, he's making sure that he's hanging on to Peter and John because he wanted silver and gold. He wanted money just to feed his belly, and he got something so much more. There's an, there's an old uh, testimony. I, I can't confirm it. I like to share them, though, because they, they, they make a point. And there's an old saint walking to a church, and he accidentally opened the door on a monk counting money. And as he closed the door, the monk said, Never again will the church say, Silver and gold I have not. And as he closed the door, he said, never again will the church say, rise and walk either. See, when your eyes are fixed on the money, you're not going to be able to say, rise and walk and trust God. See, we're supposed to be fixed on the name of Jesus, the power, the authority, the might, the will of God to go and heal souls, to be a witness, to be praising God for what he's given us. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, we still have life. We can be content in life. So they knew it was this man. There was, no, there was no mistake in it. This was the man, he tells us in verse 10, that was begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. It's the gate that Solomon would have repair, or built. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Oh, here it is. Now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. See that in verse 11? Like, you ain't getting away from me. They held on, he held on to him. All the people ran together at what's called Solomon's porch. They were greatly amazed, 
So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at us? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? Notice he's getting ready to set the record straight. They want to start worshiping the man. They want to start going, hey, it's a rock star pastor. They want to start going, hey, look at this church. Look at that church. Look what these guys did. But he wants to set it straight quickly. He knows by the power of the Holy Spirit what they're getting ready to do. Verse 13, he tells them how this man was healed. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now listen, he's accusing them. He's not happy with these people. He's accusing them. Why, Pilate could pronounce Jesus innocent at least seven times. And he's saying, you people delivered him up. You denied who he was in the presence of Pilate, in the presence of the world. Because see, it's important to confess Jesus no matter where you're at, to trust in Jesus and to confess his name and to profess his name. And Pilate, if the world was determined to let him go, the judge of the world, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Remember they asked for Barabbas. Barabbas means son of the father, son of the father of hell. And 15, and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead. There it is. Every sermon in the book of Acts will talk about the resurrection because that's the proof that he was the Messiah of which we are witnesses. So he's saying, Peter and John are saying, we seen him alive after the grave, after the three days he got up. We seen him. We are witnesses of that 16 and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You want to have perfect soundness? You want to have a new life? You want to have a new heart? Listen to me. It has to be faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It has to be trusting in God. And trusting in God that he sent provision for the sin nature. You're trusting God by faith that Jesus is the Messiah. If you want to be made whole. Not everybody who has lame legs will walk again. But everybody who is born of, of woman has a soul that's born with a sin nature. And it can be healed by faith through Jesus. He doesn't always choose to heal everybody. Just like we see three times a day. He would have walked for at least three years Past this man, he does not heal him. He saves it for this time right here, for this testimony right here. Now, 17, he gives them a little bit of an out. Listen to me. He's not going to ask them about what they think. He's not going to ask them. This is evangelism. He's not going to ask them if they would like to say a prayer. He's not going to ask them if they understand what he's saying. He gets in their face. He accuses them. He tells them their heart. He tells them what they did to Jesus. And then he tells them a way out. He says in 17, you know, brother, I know yet now, brethren, I know you did it in ignorance. You didn't know. See, there's a time in life where you can be ignorant. There's a time to be ignorant, but now there is also a time that God is calling all men to be saved and, and not to stay in their sin. He's appointed a time when every man's going to be judged. 
unlearned. You did it in ignorance, as also did your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So in other words, he just said a lot. You could teach for days on verse 18 because all the prophets prophesied that the Christ would suffer and that he would die on the cross. He would raise on the third day. And this has all been fulfilled by God the Father. Now listen, he didn't ask them what they thought of it. He instantly told them how to be saved. Our memory verse. Repent therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, you go back. That's why we're in context right now, looking to see what he's talking about. Repent therefore and be converted. That's not what you think. That means that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And we're going to see in a minute, I'll cover it just a little bit, that there's even more than that that would come. But what does it mean? Repent is metanoia. Repent means to change your mind. Listen, what was their mind? We denied him. We don't believe it. Even though Pilate was going to set him free. Our mind was because this crowd was stirred up by the Pharisees that he's not the Messiah. He's a liar. We want Barabbas. Repent means to change your mind. He's not God. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Prince of Life. And he's telling them right now, you need to repent. You were ignorant. You did it in ignorance. You sinned in ignorance. You called for his life in ignorance. But now metanoia. Change your mind. Now you're confronted with truth. Anytime you're confronted with truth, you need to change your mind. God is never wrong. When you're listening to a sermon, when you're hearing truth, when you hear about God, when you meet God, now you say, I need to change my mind. I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to turn around and go this way. I need to change my mind. It means to think differently. How were they thinking? They were listening to earthly, central, demonic wisdom. They were listening to the Pharisees who wanted to keep their power and their pomp and their, their prize, their positions. So they stirred up the crowd and they were listening and thinking that I'm going to follow this mob. I'm going to follow these leaders. I'm going to follow these people that are telling me what to do. And he's saying, think differently. Don't follow that wisdom. Don't follow the world. Don't follow those that are only hook, looking up for position. In fact, that's our next week. Listen to me. It's next week's memory verse. I'll give it to you at the end. But it's John 5.44. John 5.44. I don't have it memorized yet. But it's about honoring men instead of honoring God. Because this is what they were doing. They were listening to ruling authorities. They were listening to people that could get them ahead in life, but they were ignoring the prince of life. And John, John 5, 44, um, of course, the accusation in 43 that Jesus says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. And that's a prophecy of the Antichrist coming and Israel receiving them, which they're getting ready to do here in the next uh, short time. But 44 says this, how can you believe when you, re when, excuse me, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from only God? See, listen, that's what we're going to study on the next time. Are you seeking honor from men to be promoted by men? To have a, a favor among men? Or are you seeking the honor that comes from God through Jesus Christ? 
And that's what's wrong with church today. And I'm not picking on God's bride. I'm talking about culturanity, this form of godliness which denies the power thereof. They're all looking to write books and promote themselves and promote their movement. And they're not looking to honor God by obeying the word of God and preaching the word of God. That's where we need to be, honoring God by standing up no matter what happens. And that's what these men are doing, Peter and John. Because they're going to arrest them. They're going to throw them in jail for just healing a man. And then they're going to bring them out of jail and go, don't preach in his name anymore. And they're going to say, you're the ruling authorities of, of Israel. We're going to obey God before we obey you. You should know that. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus is what it's going to say. That was the only difference because these were fishermen. These were unlearned men. But they had been with Jesus. Listen, we're going to see that in a minute. The presence of the Lord. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been hanging out with Jesus? Or have you been off looking to get a PhD behind your name? Have you been off looking to hang out and honor men and men honor you? Are you looking to have a position on this planet that's going to burn up? Or are you looking to honor God by being a faithful witness? These men in the face of death. And it's amazing too because Peter denied Jesus three times. Not many days before this, because they had arrested Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit come upon him, he ain't denying Jesus anymore. He's in their face. He's saying, you denied he was the Lord. You crucified him. Repent. Change your mind. He is the Lord of glory. Metanoia is the word. To turn around. To think differently. Since you said you believe in Jesus, have you even tried to think differently? Well, how do I think differently, Greg? By reading the Word of God and learning the truth of God and then saying, wait a minute, I've been living in lies and the enemy's killing me with lies and I want to change my mind and I want to follow truth because truth is a person. Truth is God. God with us. So you have to change your mind. That's what repentance, you don't keep living a lie, but much of the church, they say, oh, I know Jesus, and then they don't change their mind. Why? Because they like the way they're living. They like what they're pursuing. They like what they're doing. They think they can have their cake and eat it too. They think they can actually know God and God know them and them have a relationship and be washed and cleansed and sanctified and ready for the Lord of glory to come. And yet they keep living in the same old mind. They're not having their minds renewed. Are you having your mind renewed with the washing of the water through the word of God? The Holy Spirit taking the word of God, revealing truth to you. And when you see truth, you say, I'm changing my mind. I've been to God's class of 101 theology. And now God says this. I want to do what God says. That's how you have your mind renewed. Is that what Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world the way they think, what they're doing, honoring one another, living like they've always lived. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. Metamorphosis. By the renewing of the mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, how do you renew your mind? You draw near to God. You learn what God's saying. You learn truth, and you change your mind. 
I, I've always been convinced that salvation is a series of repentances. Every time you learn truth, you say, that's what I want to do. I don't have the power to do it, but God, you've given me the Holy Spirit. You can help me do it. You can help me follow that. So when my knuckleheadedness wants to follow a lie, remind me, convict me, call me out, Lord, and help me to have the power to follow your truth. And that's how he's blotting out. Positionally, all sins blotted out. Practically, they're being blotted out as we renew our mind. We learn to walk in truth. We learn to follow truth. We learn to be led by the Holy Spirit so that the next time we don't have to change our mind. We're already in the boat with God. We're already doing it God's way. We're already making decisions God's ways. And so he moves on to the next thing now when you begin to do it his way. Listen, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that we're calling, we're calling Christianity. But there's a lot of people arguing. There's a lot of division in the church. There's a lot of things that are just wrong. And we've said this before. We know this is true. You and I both can be sitting here right now thinking we're saved. We're being sanctified. We're living for Jesus. And we can both be dead wrong. But we both can't be right. If our life's not changing. We can both be wrong together and have our own opinions. But we both can't be right if we, dis if we disagree with one another. We can both be clearly wrong. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of churches out there that are clearly wrong. I was listening this morning, and they got this new theology. I don't know if you've heard it, but I'll just share it with you. It's the new theology that I was born gay. So if I was born gay, then God made me that way, and it's okay. And that's just, that's just like me saying, I was born a convict. So why'd you put me in prison? I was born a thief. Really? Don't you have to repent of sin? Where do you get your theology at? All of us were born sinners. All of us were born under Adam. That's the whole point of salvation, that we get a new heart. We don't keep living according to Adam, who had a fallen nature. But now we believe in the second Adam, which was Jesus Christ, and we get a new nature, a new heart, a new spirit to lead us, and we're no longer living in our flesh. So whether it's just being gay or whether it's being a thief or being a liar or whatever it is, it's one nature that rebels against God that every person on the planet is born with. And the only way to get a new nature is to believe in the blood of Jesus. And then once you get it, that old nature still right there hanging on, going, don't listen to that stuff. Do what you want to do. You can do what thou wilt. But you have to say no to the, uh, excuse me, to the old nature and punch him in the face, kick him in the head, do whatever it takes to get him back in the grave, crucified with Christ, and say, you're not running my life. I'm going to live according to the truth of God's word. And that's when you change your mind. And the more you change your mind, the more you listen to truth, the easier it gets to just, it becomes your nature, your new nature that you practice in righteousness to do what is right. And that's why 1 John 1, 9 is there. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and then cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you do it a thousand times a day, you still got to confess it. But every time, guess what? You're making progress because he's cleansing you. Every time you're changing your mind, you're admitting with God, confessing with God that it was wrong that you did it. I'm not giving you permission to practice the same thing a thousand times a day. I'm giving you permission to be washed and clean. 
They, the, 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 the focus is not on, I'm doing it a thousand times today. The focus is on, I'm repenting. I want God to cleanse me. I'm going to agree every time that it was wrong because it's always wrong, no matter how many times you do it. But now in the world today, they just tell you the same lie over and over and over, and eventually it's supposed to come true. It's supposed to become true, but that's not true. No matter how many times you tell a lie, it's still a lie. No matter how many times you lie, it's still from the pit of hell. And if you keep training yourself in lying, you're living in death culture, you're living in your old nature, and you can't even have evidence that you're born again. So, repent, therefore, and be converted. Now, why is that in there? See, because converted, listen to me, converted means to revert or turn to God. See, some people repent and they go, man, I shouldn't have been drinking and in the bar like that. I better get a job. Well, wait a minute. That's not turning to God. Just because you stop doing a sin because the world says it's bad, the judge says it's bad, your spouse says it's bad, somebody says it's bad, repentance is not complete repentance until you turn to God. See, you can stop doing something and turn to something else. That, 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 that's not repentance. That's not godly repentance. Godly repentance is, is, is there's nowhere else to turn. This is wrong. I have to turn to God. That's being converted when you turn to God. Because, see, if you're not turning to God, you're not repenting what God's talking about. You're just stopping doing a certain sin, and now you still have the same sin nature that you're living in. You just satisfy it somewhere else. Lots of people will quit drinking. You know what they do? They start gambling. They do something else because they have an addicted or a habitual personality. I don't even like to use the word addiction because that's a secular term that has nothing to do with what the Bible says. The Bible calls it habitual sin. The Bible calls it a habitual personality that you keep giving into your sin nature and obeying it instead of obeying God. So it's habitual sin. So repentance isn't complete unless you turn all the way to God. You can turn from one lie, one sin, to another sin. One lie to another lie. But when you repent and you're converted, is you recognize that God is truth. And I'm going to turn to God. That's the only hope for my soul. Conversion. Right? I was sinning in my sin nature, and now God has converted me, and he gives me a new nature so that I can walk in it, be led by the Holy Spirit, and I can be converted into a child of God that follows the God, that follows the truth. So converted means to, to, uh, uh, to begin to worship and follow the one true God. Repentance isn't real unless we begin to worship, that's bow down to, that's hear his voice, that's obey. When you hear truth, you turn to him and you say, I know you're right. How do I do that, God? That's worshiping God, following the one true God. And that's when your sins begin to be blotted out. Blotted out. The word blotted out, it really has the connotation. Sins is missing the mark. Um, it comes from a word that means to miss the mark. Listen to this. To miss the mark and so not share in the prize. 
Listen to me. If you continue in your sin nature, you don't turn to God and have a heart to obey and follow God so that you're being converted into the man of God, the woman of God that, that Christ has given you positionally, then you're really not turning from your sins and you may miss the mark and not share in the prize. And the prize, of course, is Jesus the Christ. So that your sins would be blotted out. Blotted out. Isn't that interesting? Smear out, obliterated, pardoned, to wipe away. It means to anoint or wash every part of you. That's sanctification, to anoint and, and wash every part of you. And that's done by practically through the word of God. Not You're not working your way into it. You believe in the blood. And if you believe in the blood, you repent. You change your mind. You say, I believe he is the Lord of glory. I am sorry. Forgive me for ever saying that he wasn't in choosing Barabbas. See, he's speaking to a specific audience who chose Barabbas. He's speaking to some spe specific people who were ignorant that he was the Lord of glory. And they're supposed to see that they have been choosing the son of the father that was the wrong son. They have been making their mind up the wrong way. And now they're supposed to repent, change their mind, be converted, begin to believe that he's truth and follow him no matter what the consequences. And then, then what happens is, it's like if you spill a bottle of Indian ink on a white sheet, he blots them out completely. The refining fire just makes that sheet as white as snow again. Though our sins were as scarlet, that they could be white as snow, converted and become as white and pure and holy. That's the positional righteousness that Christ gives us. But then practically, as we're being converted, learning to think and follow and obey and walk in the wisdom of God and the spirit of God and make decisions for God, we're being converted completely and it's being wiped out so that we no longer even think that way. But that's a process that's going to go on called sanctification, practical sanctification, the rest of your Christian walk. The rest of you, your sin nature is just sitting there waiting to kick you in the belly and try to take over if you ignore God, if you ignore the washing and the cleansing. Now, I know we take physical baths every day, but we should be getting washed every day and the spiritual bath of the word of God. Coming to the throne room to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that your sins will be blotted out. So that times, seasons, epics of refreshing may come. Where are they going to come from? So see that? From the presence of the Lord. See, because if you turn all the way from your sin, if you repent and you turn from, and you're looking to be converted, then you're having a face-to-face -face relationship with God. It's the presence of God. Now you're in the presence of God. Refreshing, you know what that means? Revival. It's to revive your spirit. Now you are now in the face of God. God's in your face. You're seeing his favor. You're, you're, you're having conversation. You're in prayer. You're spending time with him. And now you can hear truth and decide to change your mind and follow truth and be led by the Holy Spirit. Times of refreshing. Uh, a recovery of breath is what it means. Figuratively, it means a revival. Think about it. In Genesis, God breathed into dirt. And Adam became a man. And then what happened, Greg? Well, 
sin. He, he, he stopped spending time in the presence of God. And him and Eve thought they would listen to somebody else. And what happened, Greg? Well, God came to spend time with them and, and to breathe life into them. And he said, Adam, where are you? And he said, oh, we were naked and we, we were afraid, so we hid ourselves. So what is he doing? He's running from the presence of God, so he is, he's walked into death. He's, now he doesn't have the favor of God. He's ashamed to come to God. And what did God do? God pours out grace. God kills the first animals. God clothes them properly instead of let them have fig leaves on. But there, then God is already beginning his plan. It's John 20, 22 when Jesus breathes on the boys and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. What is that? It's a recovery of breath. That's what salvation is. It's a recovery of breath. It's, it's a unclogging the oxygen line from heaven. It's, it's, it's opening up the, 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 the heavenly realm so that now you can be breathed on again, afresh and anew from the presence of the Lord. And you can begin to have life in that more abundantly. And you can learn from heaven through the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus, we can breathe again. That's what life is, is breathing again. Without breathing all the smoke and the death and the dust and all the things down here that are, that are smuffocating us, they're killing us, they're choking us out. That's why I always thought that, listen to me, I always thought that COVID was so demonic. It's because it attacks the very breath we breathe, which is life. It was designed specifically to attack the breath that God breathed in us. And I believe it's designed specifically to attack not just our breath, but the Christian life. Death culture is coming after trying to kill God, trying to have life apart from God. They're trying to make their utopian dream. They're still building their high places. Remember, Babel was a high place. How high was it, Greg? It was reaching up to heaven. God had to come and knock it down. He had to come and confuse their languages. Now they're all coming together in one language again. They want us all to say the exact same thing about everything. And they're using tech giants to do it. To say the same thing. And if you say something different, you're bad. You're evil. We can, we will, you're expendable. You're not even, we don't even want you here. You're a waste of breath. You're a waste of food if you do not say what we tell you to say. That right there is evil. See, God gives you free will. You can choose to come and read his word. You can choose to come and spend time with him. You can choose freely to come and believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. He will never force it upon you. But the world and their Tower of Babel, they're coming after us. They're coming after you. They want you to believe their lies, follow their lies, and to be angry and mad at anybody that does not believe what they believe. They want you to be part of that. And you're expendable. They don't care if you die. God died so you can have life. They want you to die so that they can have more stuff. Total opposite. I'm sorry. I got off subject there. But listen to me. It's the breath. It's the very breath. A recovery of breath. Here's what the word is. Anapsuxay. Anapsuxis. In the uh, um, Greek. Refreshing. It means a recovery of breath. That we were breathing this smog and death, and God breathes upon you when you believe in him, and he gives you the breath of life once again. And now you can actually spend time in his presence. 
Now listen, this word's only, it only used one time in the Greek, but the same type of word was used in Exodus chapter 8. Look at this. Look at Exodus chapter 8, verse 15. It's used in a different way because um, it's used It's used as the word relief or respite to breathe again. What is it used in? It's really interesting. 8.15 of Exodus, that God is bringing the, the uh, uh, plagues upon Pharaoh. And this is about Pharaoh. Pharaoh, who kept hardening his heart. Look at 8.15. Same word, I'm in chapter 9, let me get to 8 with you. Look at this, 8.15. They just had all the frogs die. And it says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, King James's respite, is that what it says, Ray? Uh, 8.15, does it say when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite? But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite. Respite. He hardened his heart. See, that's that same word. There's a recovery of breath. The frogs were there. It was crazy. This plague of frogs. And, and then as soon as God killed the frogs, he seen there was a recovery of his breath. And now he could live evil again and do what he wanted to do. So what did he do? He hardened his heart and he did not let the children of Israel go. But see, the other way is, is when you hear from God, and you can have a recovery of breath and begin to have fellowship with God again. See, he's hardening his heart against God. He's rejecting God. He's saying no to God. And see, lots of times, this is what happens, and Psalms 107 tells us this, is that God allows things to happen, bad things sometimes, things that hurt really bad in your life, and they're not there to kill you. They're there to make you make a decision whether you're going to choose God or hate God. See, people hate God. And, and so when it happens, it's supposed to get you to cry out to God for help because you know he's there. But people cry out to everybody else because they do not believe in God. You listening to me? They do not believe in God. What happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness? Listen to them. That plague is a respite, and Pharaoh hardens his heart. He says, I got a recovery of breath. I got a reprieve. God didn't kill me. The frogs are gone. I can go back to doing what I was doing. What happens when God delivers the children? Listen to me. He delivered them. They were baptized into Moses. They went through the Red Sea. Right? They're all left out. Two and a half million people out of Egypt. God saved them. Then he begins to start taking Egypt out of them. And they start grumbling and complaining. They're throwing a fit. Well, what happens next, Greg? They get to Kadesh Barnea. The land of milk and honey is on the other side of the Jordan. Kadesh Barnea means this. Listen to me. Valley of decision. They get to a place where they have to make a decision. Am I going to choose God and enter into his inheritance? Or am I going to keep living the same way I was living in Egypt? Am I going to keep going back? Am I going to be converted and change my mind? Or do I like my sin nature? You know what they chose? Their sin nature. Their sin nature. And God was not well pleased. And they all died in the wilderness. They all died in the wilderness. Now, they were with God. They were the congregation in the assembly. They were out in the wilderness going, Yay, Moses, we're following you. Pharaoh's behind his help. And we go through the Red Sea. We go out of water, comes out of rock. They see all these miracles. But when it was time to enter in and be converted and cross over and receive the inheritance, they said, There's giants in the land. No, we're not going. And only Caleb and Joshua of that entire generation 
was allowed to go in because they believed God. See, it's so important. When the battle comes, who do you believe? Do you believe God or do you believe the world? Is God got you or are you going to run off and go do something else? Very important in the valley of decision, even when it looks like death, even when it looks bad, even when you're saying, oh my goodness, they're crazy. They're going to throw me in prison. Do you really believe God? And that's what COVID is. That's what battles are. They ask you, do you really believe God? Do you really trust God? Or are you going to trust man? Are you going to trust man in their false gods? Or are you going to trust God in life? That's what they're asking us. Who do you believe? Remember, believe, right? Believe is the word pistio. It means to entrust your entire spiritual well-being into something. In this case, Jesus to Christ. And then a constancy afterwards he's building your faith as something happens you go i'm going to trust god it builds your faith because you get to see him come through you get to see him do it what do you think think about it. you're in the wilderness two and a half million people there's no water it's desert tumbleweeds blowing moses we need some water they're grumbling moses cracks a rock with a stick and water comes out enough water for two and a half million people to drink for 40 years. Man, if I'd have seen that miracle, I'd have believed in God. Miracles don't save us, guys. The Holy Spirit does. Miracles do not produce saving faith. Because if it would have, those boys would have crossed the Jordan. They would have went in. Well, what do you mean? Well, Moses, we're sick of this, this stuff. That, we need food. Okay, it rained manna every day. Except for Sunday. Excuse me, Saturday for them. It rained manna, bread from heaven. If miracles save, why would these people not go in? Think about it, long and hard. They've seen some crazy miracles. Every believer has seen. Yes. Every believer has. Miracles don't save. You know what saves? Repentance. You know, that's the first word Jesus said, repent. Change in your mind. Understanding, humbling yourself. This is not how I want to live. This is not life. This is death. And then asking God to help you. Because he's already sent his son Jesus to die for us. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And that's oopsies. So that times up. What's it say in the King James? In the King James, it actually says, um, But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Right. And then in 319 of Acts, it says, when the times of refreshing uh, is how it's, how it's said, your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Now, it's not, it's not saying so that. 
It's saying when. Because if you repent and you're looking to be converted, you're going to spend time in the presence of the Lord. That refreshing will automatically come. The recovery of breath will automatically come. It's just what people do when they're saved. It's just what people do when they truly repent. When you truly say, I've got to change my mind. I'm living in death. This is not right. God is true. The Holy Spirit has testified to me. And now I'm going to live for God. Guess what? You'll be refreshed. It's impossible to draw near to God and Him not draw near to you. It's impossible to spend time with God in the Word, in prayer, in fellowship, and not be refreshed. Think about it. If you've been living a lie and you've been smelling death, you've been eating dead, stinky stuff, and you begin to sup with God at His table, automatically it's going to be life to your bones. Automatically it's going to be life to your flesh. Automatically, it's going to breathe new life into you. Automatically, you are going to be refreshed, revived. There's going to be joy. You're going to want to go forward and continue to tell other people about Jesus. It's from the presence of the Lord, which means the front of him. That's where it comes from. His face, the front of him, his countenance, his favor. And his appearance, he shows up. He always shows up. He always shows up. Have you repented? Are you being converted? Well, your sins are being blotted out if you have. Uh, and you're being refreshed, renewed. It's a newness of life. It's a new way of living. It's a new and living way, this life with Christ. And our minds are being renewed because of being in the presence of the Lord. Here's the problem. I was talking about today with a young man that I work with. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Uh, we were talking about it because I talked to a lady that I hadn't seen in years who used to work at a Christian bookstore. And we instantly recognized each other. But I was like, and she goes, Carpenter's son? I go, oh, that's what it is. I said, I knew I knew you from somewhere. Listen to me. We live in a nation that 98% of the people would say that they believe in God. It's down to 81% now. But they say they believe in God. And we can't keep Christian bookstores open. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not for books. I'm for Bibles. But my point is this. Is that the people who claim to be evangelical Christians. The people who yell, I'm a Christian, I believe. They're, they're reading secular books. Watching secular movies. Listening to secular music. And there, there's no market anymore, really, for real Christian materials, Bibles. There's no market. So now who's controlling the Bibles? The world. Who's, who's printing them? The world. There, we, don't, we can't even keep this stuff open. Now, listen, I don't believe that a bookstore can be a Christian bookstore. I don't believe that music can be Christian music. I just don't believe that. Because you have to have a relationship with God to be a Christian because you're Christ-like. And so I, that's what I believe. That's my opinion. But my point is not that. My point is that if there were all these Christians who were evangelical and all these books really worked and all this music was really being used, then we'd be able to keep a bookstore open that sold only Christian materials. But we can't keep one open because it's not lucrative enough because we are chasing the world, living in the world, reading their books and feeding ourselves from the presence of the world and thinking that we're Christians. It just doesn't work that way, guys. We repent and we're being converted so that our sins can be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And you're not in the presence of the Lord when you're reading Harry Potter. 
Harry Potter is not godly. When you're reading the black magic, when you're watching all of the, 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 the warlock and the evil, bloody, gory shows of, 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 of vampires and wolfmen and all of these things that we see out there, this is not godly. It's presence of the devil. It's presence of this world. And we can't keep nothing going in the Christendom because we're all chasing the world Instead of looking for the presence of God. Now I'm not picking on God's bride. Because there's a Holy Spirit in people. And there's a remnant that are saying. Lord I know what I was doing is wrong. And I want to follow you. I want to go the other direction. I want to repent. I want to truly be converted. And that heart. God will in no ways cast out. If you come to him. He'll keep changing your life. But you have to come to him. You have to keep coming to him. In the same sense where the boys came to get the bread and the fish from him and fed the 5,000. It never runs out. He never runs empty. He's always there. You keep coming back to him to get more, to go give to others. But that's the pattern. You have to be willing to serve. You have to be willing to give yourself away. You have to be willing to continually, every time you meet truth, every time you meet God, who is truth, you say, I repent. I was wrong about that. I'm going to change my mind and be converted so that I can be more like God and that I can be refreshed because there's no way that the more Holy Spirit, the more of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that you put into you as you draw near to God, there's no way that that's ever going to go stale. God's unchanging. It's always going to be fresh. It's always going to be new. It's always going to be something that you're willing to do if you keep coming to Jesus. If you keep meeting with him face to face, and I believe that's in prayer. First and foremost, it's prayer. First and foremost, it's stopping everything you want to do, sitting down in a chair, getting on your knees, if you will, the knees of your heart, if not, and saying, here I am, Lord, and beginning to pray. That means I believe that this is where my help comes from. That's why Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer to all nations. Prayer is the place it starts. A humble prayer of repentance and conversion. That leads to refreshing, sins being blotted out, life being changed, mind being renewed, because you're no longer depending upon yourself or the earthly, central, demonic wisdom. You're getting before God and asking Him for wisdom, for His Spirit to lead you, for His Word to be real to you, because you know that's where your help comes from. That's what a believer does. That's what a believer does. They spend time with the one they know died for them and can convert them and get them across the finish line and into heaven so that we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And if we have any humility then, we'll say, wasn't me, it was him. It was that guy. It was the Lord of glory. And we'll take the crowns off and lay them at his feet and sing, holy, holy, holy. Because we can't take no credit for it. We didn't do anything except surrender to his plan of salvation so that we can be restored back to the place of hearing his voice and not being afraid. Walking in the garden as Adam and Eve did and not being afraid because he's not here to kill us. If he was here to kill us, he wouldn't have died for us. If he was here to kill us, he wouldn't be instructing us how to live. He would just 
done with him. He's here to give us life and that more abundantly. His, his will is not that any would perish, die, but all would come to repentance. Are you coming to repentance? That all would come to a place of changing your mind. I can't depend on myself. I, I'm a knucklehead. I can't depend on my mind. I can't depend on my own resources. I have to depend upon the bread of life. I have to depend upon the spirit of God and the word of God. What are you depending upon? And that's what prayer is. It's a place of dependency upon God. I surrender here, Lord. And I need wisdom. How do I be a godly father? How do I be a godly wife? How do I be a godly worker? How do I be a witness of, to others? Well, that's where you started at. If you're a godly father and a godly wife or a godly worker, you're already being a witness. You're already being refreshed. You're already being renewed. It's a natural thing that happens as you surrender, he does the supernatural. You don't have to make it work. It just automatically, from the presence of the Lord, refreshes you, renews you. Oh, what is that word? Where is that? Oh, I'm sorry, we got more. I'm almost done. Verse 20. There's more. Listen to me. What does he do after the presence of the Lord? You're being converted. Your sins are blown away. There's refreshing going on in the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ. Oh, that's the second coming. He's coming again. He's already came once. He's coming again. That's what happened next. That's next on the agenda, guys. Are you ready for it? Who was preached to you before? Whom... Heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things. Yours says restitution, doesn't it, Mr. Restitution. Restitution. Yes. What's restitution? We all know restitution. You pay restitution for something that you've done. You have to pay restitution, right? Well, who paid it? Jesus paid the restitution to do what? To turn the whole world back to God. That's what it was all about. The blood was enough. For the heavens and the earth, everything to be restored. That's why my new King James says restoration. But listen what it means. It's from a word that means to restore to its former state. To its former state. See, we're not going to get a new heaven and a new earth in the sense of making all making it new. No, no, no. It's just like your life. It's just like you got a new nature, a fresh nature. That was birthed in Jesus' blood. The fire is going to burn up the earth. And it will be fresh and new. From fire to be purified. Just like your life is being purified. He's a consuming fire. He's going to consume it and burn up everything. And make it fresh. Make it new in the sense of fresh. Same one. Just like your spirit is still the same spirit. But it was separated from God, and now it's married to God, and it became fresh and new from the presence of God. You can't do it on your own. So he's coming again, but right now he's got to be received into heaven until the times of restitution of all things, which God spoke, had spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Really, they've been saying this all along. Nothing new. If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. The word has always said it. The earth groans, Romans tells us, for redemption. 
for restitution, for restoration. The earth is groaning. Our bodies wearing out are groaning for further clothing, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians. And then he says in 22, For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul... Notice he's talking about souls. He's not talking about anything but souls. That's what God came and died for was souls. Every soul who will not hear... My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That prophet, Jesus Christ, shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. This is a verse I shared with a couple Muslim guys that were in our church one day. Because they wanted to say Jesus was a good man. I said, no, Jesus is the prophet that Moses said would come. And if you don't listen to him, you're going to be utterly destroyed. This is the voice. This is the word. No matter what they say. Whoever does not listen to Jesus the Christ and what he says, what he proclaimed, he was the heart of God, the voice of God. He was God in the flesh. The impossible made possible came down. And if you don't listen and follow his example, obey him, then you're in peril. Yes, 24, and all the prophets from Samuel... And those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophet and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, notice it's singular, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning, that's repentance, Away, every one of you from your iniquities. Turning away from your iniquities. Changing your mind. These are fun. No. And iniquities means this. Depravities. Plots. Your own plots. See, that's what this is. The Tower of Babel. This one world government. All of this power grab that we see where the world's being crushed on purpose. It's a plot from the devil. Using men that are in power here on the planet. It's a plot. They devise a scheme and God laughs at them, Psalm 2 says. God's going to crush them. But it means your sins or your wickedness. We are supposed to repent, every one of you, from your wickedness, from your sins. That's what we're called to do. Well, how do we know? We read the Word of God that tells us the truth of God. And when we see the truth, we turn. When we see the truth, we turn. And we're being converted when we turn. We turn to God. You can't just say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this and this and this. I'll start doing that. Many people get saved and they say, I can't go to the bar anymore. And they end up on the golf course. I'm not picking on golf. I'm just saying they take up another hobby. They don't turn to God and begin to be the godly father or the godly person. They just take something else to replace that time. And they still run off and do what they want to do instead of get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and begin to do what God bought them to do. Be a witness. To his son, Jesus Christ, who died for everyone who will believe. Now next week, your scripture is John 5, 44. Because see, that's why we chase everything else, the pride of life. We want people to honor us and we want to honor them and flatter them so that they will honor us. 
That's why we don't believe in God. Our eyes are out here looking for everything else when we should be honoring God. And if he lifts you up, you're lifted up. If he knocks you down, you're knocked down. Be content where he's got you at and just be a witness. Good or bad or indifferent, be a witness because God loves you. He's already bought you. If he would give his son's blood, his only begotten son, one of a kind son, unique, that's what that means. How will he not give us everything else we need for life and godliness? If he would give us his greatest possession, how will he not give us everything else? We started to work on them and then I just quit. No, that's me. I started working on the yard and I quit. God always will complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. But you have to stay in that relationship. It's going to hurt if you don't because he still pursues you. You try to run from him, he'll pursue you. The hounds of heaven will be coming after you. You're going to have to make a decision anyway. So next week, John 5.44. Where do you want your honor from? Where are you seeking honor from? Write this down. Memorize it. Oh, where am I at? There it is over here, isn't it? John 5.44. How can you believe? Listen, there's that word, pistio. How can you believe? How can you trust in Christ for your spiritual well-being? How can you believe who receive honor from one another? So you're not spending time in the presence of the Lord. You're looking to get honor from somebody else. That's what we're going to talk about when we do this verse. And do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. That's a pretty strong declarative statement. There's only one God. Are you spending time with him? He, he died so you can. So that you could come back into his presence. So that you could repent and be converted. And your sins be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come. From the presence of the Lord. He longs to have that relationship. <clears throat> Father thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that. When we show up at the throne room. You're always there. Thank you that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need thank you lord that we can't mess up your love because you are love and you don't love us any more or any less no matter what but you will judge us we will reap what we sow but you're still love lord pour out your spirit upon us and Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church. Help us to draw near to you and to surrender and to know that you love us with a never-ending love. Give us a heart that desires to follow you and obey you and be a witness for you so that others can enjoy your great love. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.